Re is a podcast brought to you by New Heights Church, a church located in Mission, BC, focused on being church with mission in mind. We acknowledge that we gather, live, play, and worship on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Stolo First Nation. We are your hosts, Greg Elford and Jess Steffick, and this is the Re Podcast the prefix that hopes for more than we had before. Yeah, I felt like that went well. Like, you know, I have so much in my mind. It's so hard to like... When you have to say it, right? Yeah, you know, but I feel... great. Yeah. Yeah. I actually started to get kind of emotional for a minute there because like I, I I've never really thought about it but I just like mm. for a minute there, I just kind of like was like oh wow like this is kind of my reality with her and because like I don't know I've never really like thought too much of it you know what I mean I've been like okay well that's just her life and you know that's the way it is and stuff but I never thought of deeply the challenges she faced and when I started talking about her challenges because how much I love her yeah. it made me start to like get emotional because just thinking what she would have had to go through all those years you know Today, the Reeb podcast is continuing in our discussion on the theme of sexuality and the church. As we've opened up discussion that is sometimes treated as a taboo topic, we've watched the reaction between people that come from different perspectives, different histories, and different generations listen and learn together. We have two guests here with us today from the New Heights community. Jordan Coquel and Marion Larson. One a man and one a woman, one in his 30s, another who is retired, speaking to the way that relationships with real people have shifted how they respond and sometimes even given new nuance to some of their personal foundational beliefs. First up, we welcome Jordan Kakel, who I might describe as a good friend, some might say a decent hockey player, a very engaged husband and dad, and all around pretty swell guy. Hey, what's up, Jordan? We are so glad to have you here in Copper Hall with us, and six feet apart, in case people are wondering. But no, we're, we're thrilled that you would be open to telling a bit of your story today on the Re-Podcast. So we always start off by trying to get a sense of who you are or how you're introducing yourself these days. So can you tell us a little bit about what your world looks like uh, in 2021 here? Yeah, thanks for having me here. It feels good to finally be out of the house. I feel like I've been locked up for like a year now. But uh, yeah, so my name's Jordan and my life just right now looks like I would consider just saying I'm a father. Like I'm a stay-at-home dad right now. My son, he's just over one years old and yeah so I was a support worker for five years but now I'm just at home with my son and enjoying the weather and getting out as much as possible 
Do you want to give Jenny a shout out? Because I'm guessing she might listen to this. And if you haven't mentioned her, you might be in trouble. Yeah. And then my wife's name's Jenny and I love her to death and she's the best <laughs> and she's just awesome. And I owe everything in my life to her. <laughs> okay. So were you just saying that because we asked you to or no, 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 no <laughs> just not at all. Not at all. <laughs> hey, Jenny, we hope you're listening. So um, more on point, we have been talking about uh, issues related to themes around sexuality as a church this month, and really our conversation has gone all kinds of different places, and we've tried tried to keep it pretty general. Um, but as we uh, as we look at your uh, your history, can you tell us about how and when this topic took on more of a personal tone for you? Well, you know, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home and, you know, we kind of were very just the traditional Christian of, you know, these are the sins and this is how you live a Christian life and you go to church and, you know, you love God, but, you know, if you're gay, it's like horrible. You shouldn't be gay. It's like the worst sin in the world. But, you know, so growing up, I was taught to believe that. And then when I was about 14 years old, my sister came out to me as being a lesbian and that totally changed my whole view on, you know, just that lifestyle. So is your sister around the same age as you? Is she older? Is she, she younger? She's a year and a half younger than me, yeah. Okay. And I'm 31 right now. Wow. So when she came to that decision, or she came to that um, understanding, when she was how old? Oh, she was probably, yeah, like 12 and a half, 13. Yeah. So pretty young age. So you've kind of touched a little bit on the culture of your family. So I'm just interested to know how did you initially react to that, uh, to her coming out? And maybe how did your how did your family react to that? Well, right at the time, I had started going back to youth group and stuff because, you know, I grew up extremely Christian until about like maybe 11 or 12. And I kind of slipped away for a bit. And then at 14, I went back and started going to youth group and I was super headstrong into it. And um and then, you know, when my sister came out to me, my first response was, I'll pray for you. <laughs> like it was, I was like, oh, I'll pray for you. Like it was some kind of disease that needed to be cured or that she was like, you know, something horrible was happening. And I think that's not the response she was looking for. You know, coming out to me was the first person she came out to. And, you know, being her brother, I think she was just looking for love and comfort. And, you know, with my upbringing, I just really felt like, okay, this is a horrible thing. And the best thing I can do is pray for you, which that was kind of my first response. But I think I would change my response if I could go back. Well, uh, yeah, well, let's let's chat about that for a sec, because uh, like I think from your vantage point, you probably have an understanding of how significant it is when someone tells someone for the first time, especially when uh, their family is has made it clear that it's not really um, an option you know, that, and, and yet they're feeling like they need to articulate something that is their reality. What do you think was at stake for your sister when she first came to you? Like, what, what do you think was going on inside of her as she was telling you those things? Well, I think, you know, she was terrified because, you know, growing up, my dad had always told us, um, if any of us are gay, he's going to disown us. So, you know, it's pretty serious to tell your kid that, right? So I don't know if he was just trying to scare us or what, but um, yeah, so for Beth to come out to me, I think it was very, she was scared how I'd react, but, you know, she needed to talk to somebody. And 
um, she trusted me enough to talk to me. And, you know, I didn't totally smite her and judge her, make her feel horrible about it. But I just feel like my view at the time about people that lived that lifestyle was completely different. Then again, I was only 14 at the time. But if I could go back, I would I would just tell her, you know, that I love her and that I care for her. And no matter what decision she makes, I'm here for her and not make her feel bad about it or anything. Jordan, could you tell us a little bit um, maybe about what happened after your initial reaction in you? Like um, now you say that you would have approached that differently and responded differently. I'm wondering about the process that kind of happened within you that makes you come to a point where now you're you're looking back and wishing that you would have uh, maybe shown more love and comfort in your response to her. So what happened in you that maybe makes you say that now? Well, you know, like growing up, I never really thought too much about it because it was a foreign thing to me. Like it was just a foreign lifestyle. I wasn't around it often. And, you know, you'd, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, that person's gay or whatever. But, you know, once my sister came out to me, it became a reality. This is now my family member. This is my life now. And I started to pay more attention to it and how people live their lives and the responses people would give them and how badly they were treated not always but you know just society's view on it and it made it just humbled me to want to be um just loving and caring to my sister to make her feel like a valued person and not just somebody that is gay you know so it just kind of changed my view on it a big time and i know uh your sister's not here where she could speak for herself but like one of the things i've always appreciated in our conversation around this is how you've advocated for your sister or had an understanding of how awful it would be to feel um, ostracized because of this or whatever. What do you think are some of the ways where your sister would describe this as being uh, like a, a real challenge as far as the people that have reacted to her? Yeah, you know, if you think about it, you know, her dad said he disowned her if she was gay. You know, society's telling her that what she's doing is wrong. You know, she's a young girl who doesn't know how to deal with these feelings. And she has all these challenges and she just wants to come out and talk to somebody. So if you think about it, like she feels like she can't talk to anybody and it seems like the world's against her. And she doesn't, you know, I could only imagine how difficult that would be. How do you think her experience with like the whole um, Christian community has gone? If like, and I, I mean, if you want to weigh in on that. Well, you know, even just my initial response of like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hope you get better from this. And, you know, most churches just saying, you know, you're sinful. This is wrong. You're a horrible person kind of for being gay. I could only imagine her viewpoint on it because she did grow up Christian until around the time she came out. And then, you know, just she thinks that God hates her because of it. So she has fallen away from God, which is sad because, you know, I think God just, he loves her and he cares about her and he just wants a relationship with her, gay or not gay. You know, we all have our own things going on and this is just her thing. And whether it's right or wrong, who are we to judge that? Who am I to judge that? And it's just between her and God. And I just hope, you know, through love and who knows, maybe a church that will accept her for the way she is, she can come back to a relationship with God. 
I'm wondering then if you might have any advice for those who are maybe wrestling or wondering about how to be in relationship with those that um, maybe have a different sexuality than them or or maybe make choices that they don't yet understand. Um, I guess this is going back to maybe your thoughts on your initial reaction to your sister coming out to you. But what have you learned that you'd love to pass on to someone, say if their uh, brother or sister or child comes out to them? What well, would you say? I think the, the key and main thing is just acceptance. If someone that you care about and love or even just some stranger, who knows, anybody that comes out to you and just to like not judge them, accept them. You know, you might not agree with it and you might never agree with it, but you love this person and you want them to feel welcome so that they can come to you in the future about anything else or maybe, you know, they might have other struggles in their life. But if you just judge them and like tell them the horrible and you don't agree with it, then they're not going to come to you in crises. And I think it's just important to show love because at the end of the day, who are we to judge somebody? We all have, you know, we live in a fallen world. We all, all have things that we can work on. So it just comes down to love at the end of the day and yeah, just be genuine. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate how open and candid you've been about something that's that's pretty personal. Um and and I hear in your response that there's been a change because of how you responded initially and then not wanting to be that way again or kind of ongoing with your sister. Um, how would you describe your relationship with her these days? Is it in a place where there's a friendship or are you at odds with each other? How's it going? Yeah, you know, my sister's one of my best friends. And, you know, even though I kind of reacted like that originally, saying I was going to pray for her and that she kind of almost had something wrong with her, you know, that I was young and that was, you know, my response at the time. But as I've gone older, I've shown her that love and non-judgmentalness, I guess if that's even a word, but we've formed such a great relationship now and she comes to me for everything. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing how when you accept somebody for who they are, how much they, how much your relationship can grow. And yeah, we have a great relationship now and I feel like she can continue to come to me for anything. Now, do you feel like you've never been able to say anything that you disagree with, with her because one time you disagreed with something that was so major that with her now you never ever have an opinion about anything that's right or wrong in her life yeah my my sister and I have a really good relationship so I feel like she respects me for my opinion and I respect her for her opinion so we can talk about things we disagree on and you know even her being a lesbian I'll never tell her that I think that's the way it should be like biologically the human race would just cease to exist if everyone was gay but i do not judge her for it and she respects my opinion that i will never think that it's the way it's meant to be but do i think she's wrong for it no and so that's kind of where i'm at and we you know i can talk to her about all kinds of things that we disagree on but we can agree to disagree because of our relationship and that's because we've built that up over time from her coming to me for things like this and me, you know, accepting her for it. So I almost hear you kind of saying that because of the, the relationship, you have a credibility to talk more openly about things she might need to talk about. Exactly. Mm. It could be anything, you know? So just to kind of wrap up this 
this interview here. I'm wondering, uh, for a church like us, who's, who's wrestling with how we can be a loving and embracing community of all people, kind of no matter what uh, place they're at or whatever things they're thinking about, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts around what kind of atmosphere we as a church um, need to create for someone like your sister to feel like they could be part of a spiritual family like ours. I guess not to speak for her, but in knowing her, what would you what would you say would be a good start for us? I say, you know, love someone that comes to the door at, for who they are, not for what they do, and. It doesn't matter what their lifestyle is. Just come and embrace them and show them God's grace. Because at the end of the day, it's, that's what we're here for, right? And that's the way I would view it. And not point fingers and pick and choose what, it, what you feel is right or wrong. Because like I said earlier, we all have something. I so appreciate you taking some time and... Uh articulating some of the thoughts that have been formed over a long time relationship with your sister and we would love to meet her someday and we'd love to um, have her as part of our community thanks so much jordan thanks greg thanks jess next we are chatting with marion larson marion is a woman who oozes sincerity and can't help but encourage the people she comes in contact with. We are thrilled that she agreed to share some of her musings with us today. Hey, Marion, thanks for being here. Um, it's great to see you in more than just a screen. I guess it's been a year, really, um, but it's good to have you. I'm wondering if, just to start off, if you would introduce yourself in a way that's meaningful to you. So what are some of the things that you find yourself a part of these days? All right. Um, I would introduce myself as a wife and a mother. Those would be the two uh, most important and happiest parts of my life. Uh, My hubby is a retired school teacher, so lots of people from around here know him. He's good friends with people that come to New Heights and other people around the community and our, we have a, two daughters in their 30s both were born and raised on the farm where we still live and uh, both went to school here and have lots of relationships here I'm a retired uh, financial services person uh, worked in that industry for a long time so my hubby and I, I now just uh, are happy for our little farm and we've really enjoyed being there while we've gone through this pandemic we've really appreciated what we have there the space and uh, the relaxed life that we have there awesome so I mean as you're aware this month as a church we're talking about sexuality and that's gone a lot of different ways I'm wondering if you'd share just a little bit about your church background so kind of where you're coming from and maybe the approach or non-approach that you had kind of in that church upbringing with regard to sexuality? Well, I was raised in a Mennonite family and my father was actually a Mennonite pastor. So that gives you an idea of uh, kind of what happened at our house. Uh, I was, we were, uh, my family was extremely loving, lots of fun, lots of laughs at our house, but it was also, 
very conservative. Uh, I didn't even, I don't think I was allowed to wear pants anywhere out of the house until I was in junior high school. So um, there were lots of rules and, and um, sexuality wasn't, my parents, I knew they loved each other and they were very fond and affectionate with each other. But other than that, we didn't see too much of anything else like that going on at our house. So was kind of the idea of uh, sexuality or like a theology of sexuality or what the Bible says or anything like that, was that talked about at all? Did you have a basis for that growing up in the church? Um, well, I kind of have a little bit of a funny story about that. My, when we were younger, we were, my sister was probably about four and I was about five and we lived in Northern BC and it was the winter time and so we were all bundled up, like fully snowsuits, mittens, boots, everything, like many layers of clothing. And um, my sister, we were playing with the neighbor kids, and um, my sister comes into the house. My mom tells this story. And uh, my sister came into the house, and she said to my mom, I think I'm pregnant. And my mom kind of, I'm sure, chuckled to herself and uh, said, oh, why do you think you're pregnant? And my sister said, well, I, I lay with Jimmy. And so they had been playing in the snow and obviously had been rolling around in the snow, both fully uh, covered in snowsuits and many layers of clothes. And, um, but that's what we had been told is how you had a baby is you lay with a man. And so now my sister at four years old had laid with a boy and now she thought she was gonna be pregnant. So she was quite concerned about that. And my mom told her no, that she was gonna be fine. But I don't, I don't know if, if we actually got a true story at that point either, but <laughs> that's how that turned out. So, so she wasn't pregnant? Just to be <laughs> <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> Um, well, why do you think, um, I appreciate, I love that story and you can just imagine a kid saying that and, and probably like in fairness, at what stage do we have these kinds of conversations with kids? Uh, but like, as we think, think about the church's response or ability to have this, this dialogue about something that often feels taboo, like we shouldn't talk about that or we're uncomfortable to talk about that or whatever. Why do you think that is? Why do you think in church culture, um, uh, opening the door around this conversation is something that people are kind of hesitant to do, or at least functionally, it doesn't happen very often? I'm not sure it's even church culture. I think it's, I mean, you think about your conversations with your friends. It's not really a topic that comes up terribly often, right? Even out of church context. Um, I don't know. I think the expectation is that you're you're just going to be pure, and 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 so there's no discussion around that. Mm. I don't know. I think maybe that's that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one because so much of like faith conversation is about uh, being authentic, at least from the vantage point that I'm looking through, being authentic, being open about struggles, being kind of aware of what's going on inside of you and so on and so forth. But it seems like sometimes when we get to this aspect that it's like, it's almost like, let's, let's just, let's just not talk about that one. Yeah. Or when, like you say, when you do talk about it, it becomes more, 
rather than it being a natural thing, you're dealing with somebody's sin as far as impurity or as the church sees it, right? Like I know a church I went to used to have a men's purity group. And so that's great, but I think it was for men who struggled with porn. So rather than it being a group of men who are talking about purity, they're actually talking about their struggles. And that's great, but it's not, it's for the sinful side of what, what the church would consider the sinful side of, of your sexual nature, right? Yeah, and I think you maybe just hit the nail on the head that the way that the church talks about sexuality is as, as something that's dysfunctional. Uh, but often the functional side or a healthy description of what it, it could look like or how we understand our desire for intimacy with another person and so on and so forth sometimes gets, uh, gets ignored. Uh, interesting. Well, I would love if we could uh, talk a bit about how, and um, as we've been chatting with you, it sounds like there's been some, th some thinking through the, the last month where you're reflecting back on when some of the nuance around this topic, um, different times in your life, took on a new tone for you. So is there an example you have in mind that you'd want to share with us today? Well, um, our, one of our daughters was involved in theater quite heavily uh, in high school and then went on to post-secondary theater school. And so that group is an interesting group and lots of fun and always high energy, uh, but sometimes, um, you know, living on the edge a little bit sometimes. And uh, so our daughter interacted with people in that group that were, uh, some of them were gay and lesbian. And, and when she started there, I wasn't nearly as um, familiar with non-binary. That was like, that was quite a few years ago that she started in, in theater. And so gay and lesbian was something that was quite common and out there, but non-binary people were a little bit I don't think I'd ever met anybody like that before. So what does that mean, uh, Marion? Like, can you tell us what non-binary means for, for people listening that have never heard that? Well, I think it means I'm not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't profess to know for sure, but I, in my uh, definition, it would mean somebody who doesn't present as male or female. So they're not, they're, they're not picking one side of the gender equation. That's how I see it. So in this particular situation, that is what I was seeing was a person um, who had quite short hair, uh, wore kind of jeans and baggy shirts all the time, and I couldn't tell, was that a boy or a girl? And so I asked my daughter, I said, is that a boy or a girl? And she said, um, they, um, they go by they or them pronoun. And I kind of laughed and I went, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But what are they really? <laughs> and, and, then, and she just said, mom, it doesn't matter what they are. That's who they say they are. And so that's how I accept them. And I just, I let it go at that point and, and thought about it later and thought, yeah, that's, that's right. And I need to be more open and um, softer towards people who are like that and who don't want to be defined as um, one or the other 
or, and I have to be softer in my heart to whatever they are. Why, just reflecting back, why do you think that that is so important? How has that been important for you? I think maybe it's been a part of my whole spiritual um, changes in the last few years uh, is just um, not thinking I'm always right because that's how I was raised, not through any fault of my parents, but that's because what we believed was right. And I mean, I think there's still lots of church people today that go, yeah, our church is right and that's it and there's no going away from that. And I come to realize that that's not necessarily, you can still be a Christian and still not um, have to stick so hard and fast to those um, beliefs or to those um, things that I was taught. And so love becomes way more important and acceptance. And maybe they're living, maybe they're living a spiritual life maybe they would even consider themselves Christians, and it's definitely not up to me to say they're not, to make that judgment. It's not up to me to be the judge, I guess, is what I've come to understand. Yeah, and, and just to explore that a bit, like all of us that believe something believe it because we think it's right, you know, and so we arrive at a belief not because we think it's wrong, but because we think it's right. But there is sort of a there's sort of a progression from what we believe to how we, how we flesh out that belief or how we enforce that belief on others, or maybe even how open we are to that belief, um, taking on new nuance or greater understanding or shifting over time. And um, you mentioned that you're retired. So would you say that that's been a part of the process of maturing as a person, never mind as a follower of Jesus, but how, would you say that in other areas of life, you tend to be seeing more gray the older that you get? And I'm not talking about like hair here, <laughs> but like that more, less black and white and more of the kind of, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I have one answer and it's absolutely, yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely agree with that. I have a brother-in-law who's um, also was raised the same way I was and is um, very thoughtful and uh, I think he's very wise and we have had some great discussions and um, yeah, he's, he's brought me to some thoughts that I probably would never have had before and uh, yes, I definitely believe that things are grayer and um, once again, I just use that. It's not up to me to decide what's right for you. That's for you to decide that. So, I'm wondering, is that, is that somewhat scary to like let go of things that you held so tightly to as a or young adult or, or even youth or whatever? Um, is that process of letting things become more gray, is that terrifying or freeing? or maybe you'd use another word to describe that. What would you say? It's a mixture. Yeah, it, it is very freeing in some ways, but in other ways I feel like, oh, am I letting go of everything that I believed in? What do I believe in now? Have I lost my way? Have I, like, where's my, kind of, where's my rock? Like, what am I standing on now? Am I standing on anything? Or am I just wishy-washy? 
that, yeah, that feeling comes sometimes. Um, but I mean, once you, I, I think, yeah, that feeling comes sometimes, period. I appreciate you um, articulating some of that ongoing wrestling and tension in the way that we think about things that we've believed with a lot of gusto and then later in life gone like, man, maybe I was a bit too intense for the amount of situations that don't fit into that belief that I've come across now. Um, and yet we don't want to feel like we, there's nothing we can grab onto. So I'm wondering if, if you've found in this stage of life that you have a way of looking at relationships and maybe a lens of how you look at different kinds of people or people that you don't understand that has been sort of a helpful thing to come back to in a foundation of this is, this is something that helps me know how to treat people as I'm wrestling with the beliefs that, that are kind of underneath all that. Do you have a foundation like that? Is there something that you kind of go to for the way you um, treat people? I, <clears throat> I try to accept people for who they are and where they are. And I may have um, kind of gotten better at that when I help with Hope Central because everybody who comes in here is at a different stage. And so are my neighbors and so are my relatives and so are the people that I love, the people that I go to church with. And I don't know where they're coming from that day. I don't know what happened to them that day. And I guess what, I'm, what I try to do is just let them know that I'm okay with them, whoever they are. And um, I'm gonna try and be a friend to them or I'm gonna try and be accepting to them for where they are right now in their life and not expect them to live up to any expectations that I might have of where I think they should be or what I think they should be doing to make things better for themselves or um, that kind of a thing. I just wanna be somebody that they can feel is accepting of them and loving of them. And so I think that's the same with um, people who we don't understand their, their sexual side. And that, that's not up to me to try and understand it. It's just for me to love them and accept them. And those are the decisions that they've made right now. And I'm, I'm going to be there for them if they need me. What I'm kind of hearing you say is, is maybe that emphasis on the willingness to journey with people in throughout life, not expect them to be somewhere that they're not immediately. That kind of desire for a relationship. Is that kind of, does that synthesize maybe what you're saying? Yeah. In some way. And I think the more people feel that you do accept them, the more that they'll open up, the more that they'll be, want to be in relationship with me as well. Well, that's, that's a great way to kind of send us off in this topic here. So thank you, Marion, for your willingness to share and be vulnerable with the things you're wrestling with. And we sure appreciate you. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening and a special thanks again to Marion and Jordan for their time and their vulnerability. 
Thank you to our silent sponsor and our very supportive church community. Join us again in two weeks when the re-podcast dives into the topic of personal identity and vocation. This has been episode 16 of the re-podcast, the prefix that hopes for more than we had before.